Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. All right, so if I can tell you the truth for a minute, I was not ready for the feels that I am feeling this morning. I have, hearing you all sing Christ the Lord is Risen today, I was just reminded of how, in so many ways, how lonely it has been, especially at Easter over the last two years, to come and to be ready to celebrate, and knowing you are all on the other side, like I know that, but to hear it sung back to me, and then to have memories of my family that I've lost over this and, and, to, and to see faces and faces, old faces that I've known a long time and new faces I'm just getting to know. There's a lot of feels going on. So you're like, is he crying? Yeah, he's crying, okay? And that's okay. It's a good day to do that. But then to be like, that whoever was, yeah, like perfect. I could not write that in a bulletin. Like I could not. I could ask you all to do that and you wouldn't. And you know you wouldn't. It was beautiful and perfect. So I am feeling all the feels this morning. If you're like, he looks like a mess, it's because I am, and this is the day to be a mess. Because everything's a mess, right? The story is, everything is blown out of proportion. Everything is blown out of control. What in the world is going on? That guy's not in the tomb anymore. Today is a day for imagination, for going beyond the normal or the expected, and to let everything kind of be a mess and to wonder at it all. What in the world? is going on here today. So I wonder this morning what you wonder at. For almost all of you, this is not the first time you've heard this story. And even if it's your first time in church ever, you kind of know how this unfolds, right? Like, it's just kind of part of the air we breathe. It's kind of in the water that we drink. And so I ask you, what part of the story grabs you? What part of the story you're still going, well, that's, that's something, what detail makes you wonder? For some, probably a lot of parents, it's the fact that the linens are folded. Even Jesus does his own laundry. Thank you for this. Thank you. I appreciate that. But for me, it's John's telling of this story. And this small detail that Mary Magdalene, the first person to see the risen Christ, mistakes him for the gardener. Those of you that know me well know that that will not surprise you. But that is my favorite detail of all the resurrection stories is that Mary mistakes him for the gardener. It's certainly an understandable assumption, right? As they are in a garden. And who shows up at the garden early? It's usually the gardener. My farmer friends will tell you, yeah, we're usually the first ones up. It is a logical mistake. But maybe it's a prophetic mistake. Or maybe it's not a mistake at all. Truth be told, I think Mary speaks more in that moment than even she knew. On Good Friday, Jesus is buried in a tomb, again, located in a garden. The garden, then, will be the scene for the greatest and most mysterious moment in the history of the world. But it is not an accident or by happenstance that it is a garden. The careful listener would have remembered that Jesus seemed to always kind of be oriented towards garden before his burial. Jesus tells a lot of stories, and a lot of those stories are about growing things, they're about agricultural life, the agrarian realities. But in particular, there was this one time right before he died that Jesus told his followers, he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. 
But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see where that might tie in today. So maybe, just maybe, on that Good Friday, there was a seed that was buried. But even beyond what Jesus said, John, wants, John winks at us. The good artist will kind of hint and suggest, rarely showing it wide open. But John winks at us as he opens this morning's story for us when he says, early on in the, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. He sets the scene, but it's a scene that we're invited that is supposed to cause us to imagine another scene, another text, this one from much earlier, from the very first pages of Scripture, where the author of Genesis, writing about creation, says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The idea is that darkness, both understood as the absence of light, but also the absence of hope, hover over both these scenes, whether it's creation or Jesus' death. And so on this day, we are intended as Jesus rises from the dead, as this seed bears fruit, we are not just witnessing a miracle. It is that, but we've seen this miracle, right? Like Jesus just did the whole Lazarus thing. So in some ways, it's not a new thing. What is new is not just that it's a miracle, but that creation is being made new. We had, we had the Garden of Eden, and we saw how everything falls apart there. But here in this garden, everything is made new. And Paul writes, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. The first Adam was a gardener who failed in his task. And because of that, the world became a wasteland of war and sin. But Paul says the second Adam, the second guy in a garden, will succeed in his task. Christ restores and renews the ruined garden. Jesus is now in every way the gardener of resurrection, cultivating new life in all who believe. Mary said more than she knew. But Mary, for all of her her unanticipated theological acumen, seeing an empty tomb still does not understand. And we can get that, right? If I walked out this morning and a whole lot of people weren't there at sunrise service at the cemetery, I would have had questions too. And she does not yet make sense of the meaning. And so she runs and gets Peter, who also cannot make sense of this. And Peter brings along the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we, to the best of our ability, understand it to be John, the author of this. And one of my favorite little details of all the scriptures is John's like, you know, guys, I was faster than Peter because I got there. Like, it's the, it's the tiniest little bit of snark that John throws in at Peter for whatever reason. He's like, I got there first. All right, cool, John, chill. So she goes and gets them, and they cannot make sense of it either, for as yet they did not understand the scriptures. Isn't this so often the truth? In our faith, there's so much more going on around us that we can make sense of, and if it's true for the apostles, it's okay if it's true for us today. But they go home, like, I don't know. But Mary remains behind. Mary is willing to be patient. Mary's willing to sit with the pain Mary's willing to be fully present to the emotion that she feels, and she sits and she just weeps, and I've got this sense, I don't know about you, but I've got this sense that weeping does not do it justice. I suspect it felt more like sobbed bitterly, 
As if the indignation of a friend hanging naked on a state, at a state execution wasn't enough. Now people are messing around with the body. It's a place of life, this garden, that is now marred a second time by death and by pain. She's reliving it all over again. But this comes to the climax where Mary turns and she sees a guy. She assumes he's the gardener. And it is reasonable, if you were Mary, to assume that the gardener would know what happened with the body. We're like, guys, there was a body here and now there's not. Just, just tell me what you did with it. But in her fear and doubt, she begs him for an answer. Give me anything. But the gardener doesn't have an answer for her, does he? The gardener doesn't say, well... You know, it was a heck of a thing. We had some issues with the paperwork. We got to get that sorted out. No. The gardener doesn't unpack anything for her. doesn't give her any answers at all. All he does is turn, turn to her and say, Mary. He says her name. A friend speaking the name of a friend. And it is only in that moment that her eyes are opened. And now she understands and I have not the words to describe what she must have felt in that moment. Do you? But I bet you know. I bet somewhere down deep you're going, oh, what a, what a scene. And once she hears her own name spoken, she cannot help but scream the message to all who would hear. For the very first time, the world hears the full gospel message. Not just that God loves us. Not just that Jesus is going to show us a good way. But that death is defeated and resurrection is real. And it was from the mouth of a sinner saved by grace, a woman preacher proclaims to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. What happens to her is what is unleashed on the world. It is the gospel fully bloomed. The seed that was buried has now borne much fruit. But some of us this morning, because we're a long way from this story, right? It was new for her. This story in a lot of ways is old for us. Like, yeah, yeah, you show up, at, you're supposed to show up at Easter, you know, and we kind of do the Christ the Lord is risen today, and we get that. But some of us this morning may feel a lot like Mary. It sure looks like there's a lot going on here. I mean, there is a lot going on here. But some of us either simply doubt the truth of this event, as Mary did, and that's okay. Or perhaps more likely we doubt that the events that we recount today really have anything to do with us at the end of the day, right? Haven't we said or heard it said, well, you know, God has bigger things to worry about than me. You know, there's war, there's famine, there's poverty. Like, why does God really care about me at the end of the day? We proclaim new creation, right? But it always seems like it's for someone else. And because we don't expect God to care, because we can't see what's unfolding, we haven't yet believed the scripture, we can't quite make sense of the scene because it's so new and it's so raw, we often live as if God doesn't care about us. We hear on a Sunday morning, Christ died for your sins. But when we get to the cross, we're like, well, but did he really die for mine? We hear, you, children of God, are one body in Christ. But perhaps we don't always expect that when we roll up to church. We don't actually expect that other people are going to care about me. They kind of care about everybody else. We hear, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The news has come. And yet, we're like, you know what? After I go home from church, I'm going to kind of go back to the same life that I had. It sure doesn't seem new to me. It can feel in so many ways that resurrection swirls around us and never touches us. 
But in the garden, beyond our expectations, beyond our disappointments, beyond our pain, even beyond our beliefs, the resurrected Christ on this morning calls your name. A friend to a friend. The gardener speaks our name and invites us to see him, perhaps for the very first time. Jesus, on this day, is calling you from death to life. For those of us who have been baptized, it started at that font where in our baptism we are laid down with Jesus and we are raised to new life as we come up out of the water. Jesus calls your name as in the pages of Scripture where Jesus says to his followers all the time, peace be with you, my peace I give you, not just to y'all, but to you. He calls your name in the Eucharist when we say the body of Christ given for you. The body that was hung on the cross is here in this body presented in the bread. And all of it, the cross, the bread, all of it is given for you. And that, friends, is what changes lives. That's what changes your life. That is the moment at which the gospel comes into us and we can do nothing but scream it to the world. When all of this new creation, all of this big stuff swirling around us now is for us, we discover we are being made new. Reflecting on this, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If John has some snark in the way he wrote, Paul's got some snark in the way he preaches. He's like, if this story that we tell today is nothing more than just kind of light encouragement, if it's nothing more than kind of a motivational speaker message of persevering through the tough times, if it's nothing more than, you know what, there's always winter, but spring is always around the corner. Like, if that's just kind of what we're doing, then we are most to be pitied, making all of this fuss over the same lesson we could have gotten from a fortune cookie. If we can articulate all the right theological pronouncements about this day and never understand that all of this truth we proclaim is for me and is for you, then that new life is being born in you and in us today, well then how very sad for us. But if we can hear Jesus call our name, there is no more blessed place in eternity. The God of Christ, the God in Christ, the second Adam who is making all things new, making a new creation, is cultivating life in all who hope in him. This is for you. Resurrection can be and is your story. So in the days ahead, listen carefully, lean in, look for the moments where God whispers your name from something you didn't recognize right off the bat. You may not recognize him at first, but he has risen he is alive, and it is the gardener's desire is that you should flourish and bloom. This is the glory of that which we proclaim this day. And it is that story that will carry us from now until we are fully and completely resurrected, one with God, the kingdom of God in full bloom. The seed that was buried has now borne fruit. Amen. Amen.